Are you troubled by strange feelings about recent episodes of Doctor Who? Do you experience feelings of dread when thinking about next week's episode? Have you or any of your family ever written an angry post on Gallifrey Base? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up your MP3 player and download The Professionals. The The Oodcast. Our courteous and efficient staff are on call 24 hours a day to explain to you that you are wrong and Doctor Who is awesome. We're We're ready to to amuse you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 15 of series 5 of the Oodcast. It is me, Laura Sigma. Yes, I'm quite excited to be talking to you all. And to my left, I have the fluffy and gentle-spirited Christopher Alpha. <laughs> uh, hello, I was trying to work out who was to your left. That's me. Ha, ah, hello. Well done. Thanks. And to my right, I have the egalitarian and sore-footed Andrew Candish. I am sore-footed today. I walked all the way from Marble Arch to Waterloo. And if you don't live in London, that's quite a long way. And directly opposite me, I have the bruisingly skin-headed Chris Sigma. The other day, I thought I was being mugged, but it turned out it was a mirror in my peripheral vision. Oh dear. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Chris has shaved all of his lovely flowing golden locks off and he shaved them with a big stripe right down the middle of his head. I called it the reverse Mohican. Or alternatively, the Wolverine. Good, yes, good. (laughs) Or the one of the three stooges, can't remember which one. Yeah, I don't know either. I'm I'm not murking enough. Someone will tell us. Someone will always tell us. Please tell us someone. Did you know that Harpo is called Harpo and he plays the harp? No. Not not because he's sort of almost proficient with a harpoon. And Groucho was called Groucho because he operated Oscar in Sesame Street. That's not true, but the harp one actually is. So, um, without further ado, let's get on with today's review. The episode Hide, which is funnily enough, not something that you um, sneak away and look at ducks mating from within. No. Or the pelt of an animal. Or the alter ego of... Dr. Jekyll. Yes, not unlike any of those things. In fact, it is the verb to hide. Hey, Lydia. Want to go outside and have a walk in the forest? What? Right now? Yeah, no time like the present. What's your rush? It's not like the world's going to fold itself into a quantum singularity in the next three minutes, is it? It might do, relatively speaking. But that's not the point. The point is that I want to go outside and enjoy the forest with my one true love. We could even hold horribly twisted appendages. Oh, Kyle, you're so romantic. Let's do it. This is amazing. I'm having such a good time. I'm not sure anything could spoil this utterly perfect moment. You're right. If we didn't walk in such a crazy, jittery way, I'd be tempted to skip. 
Hey, what's that weird spinning thing beside that tree? Which one? That weird disc shining with an unearthly cracked light. Beside the tree? Yes, what is it? I don't know. Let me flying headbutt it and see if that does anything. Oh, Lydia, you're such fun. I'm so glad we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. Me too. Back in a mo. <laughs> Lydia, where have you gone? Moments later. Hi, Lydia. I chased some funny two-legged things and a blue box brought me here. What's different about you? Have you done something to your hair? I'm several million years older than you now. Oh, right. Well, this is awkward. I, I thought the monsters were really cute. They were super effective until you saw them up close. Yes. <laughs> but just the fact that what, the one who's the lady monster who's stuck in, or any gender monster who's stuck in the house holding Clara's hand because she's lonely. Gender monster does sound like a Sesame Street character they should it be using. It does, doesn't it? Probably introduced by Sonia Sotomayor. And operated by Groucho Marx. <laughs> <laughs> hey! Do you know what? I really expected the ghost to be Clara. Did anyone else think that? No. No. All I, the way I did. Or, I thought, or the empath lady. Mm. I thought it'd be one of those two. Because you couldn't see it, its face when it was photographed. I thought, aha, it's going to be Clara from the future. Or something like that. I thought we were going to find out something about Clara. So, Doctor, where are we exactly then? Oh, now, this is fascinating. We're on a planet called Mechanios 7 in a forest of bunthracite trees. Bunthracite? Yes, it's essentially what you would call concrete, but no one's had the heart to correct the locals. Bunthracite sounds much more exotic than concrete. Yes, I suppose. Can you hear that? Yes. Calling the residents to prayer, maybe? No, it's the cloister bell. Quick. I'm here, I'm here. What is it, old girl? Voice interface activated. Hold on. What's wrong? Well, the voice interface is meant to be the friendly interactive face of the TARDIS. And? Can't see how it could be more friendly. She's almost cuddly. But it's supposed to select a person we've met before and are familiar with. It's supposed to be reassuring. Yes, I know. But that's a cat. I can see that. Well, what does it mean? Well, you could ask. Good point. What does it mean? What's wrong? Are we in grave danger? No, no. You're fine. I'm just going out. Do you know what I really noticed this episode was the Doctor's callousness. Because he does a lot of things like Clara comes up to him and she says, Doctor, I'm not happy. And he looks at her and he goes, no, and walks off. And then there's a, another bit where um, he puts the headset on, what's her name, the empath? Mm. Wasn't mm -hmm. she brilliant? And um, she says, Isn't, is this going to hurt? And he goes, no. Well, maybe a bit. Actually, I don't know. I'll be interested to find out. He has a slither of ice mm. in the centre of his heart. Yes, that's a bit ominous. It's full mm. of om. Well, the thing <laughs> is, I mean, and this is something that's been addressed lots of times in Doctor Who over the years, but he isn't a human. 
He walks in eternity. Mm. You know, he's not like us and his emotional responses aren't going to be recognisable to us all the time. And it's really nice sometimes to have that clown mask slip a little bit. It came across very strongly in the discussion where Clara's freaked out because she's saying, I'm somewhere out there. My body is buried that's a earth. chilling thought and and yeah. he just goes mm, yeah and then in response to who are we and and if you if you think about it to us we must almost appear like that ghost does you know just flickers in and out of his life and he says oh no you're the greatest unsolvable mystery which yeah. is a lovely way of doing it but doesn't actually take away from the no that's well again she's not a person to him she's a, a puzzle box mm. yeah but do you think he was talking about just her or the whole of the human oh, definitely race? just her. Yeah. I thought it was the whole but, human race. Well, but I think she took it as being the whole human race. But yeah, I think it could be seen either way. I think he said something similar about humans before, hasn't he? Plenty it's deliberately time. vague, isn't yeah. it? Because yeah. she is a mystery worth solving because she is in multiple times and yeah. has repeated I'm, I'm really lives. not sure if, if I was the one asking those questions and that's what was told to me. I'm not sure that would um, uh, console me in any way. No, it absolutely <laughs> wouldn't. Can I just do a crazy theory? Yes, please. Yeah, why not? I think Clara's a TARDIS. There we are. We've said it. Yeah, it's I think possible. she's a TARDIS. She's quite rude about various things in this episode. She's very rude about Carlisle. She's very rude about the TARDIS. I think she's um, maybe a bit cheeky. I still think she's brilliant. I've seen stories, and I really shouldn't read the internet, any of the internet, but I do sometimes, and people are saying that this version of Clara isn't as interesting as either of the last two incarnations. But I think she's brilliant, and there's some wonderful moments in this of... I really love the bit where she opens the door of the TARDIS after saving the Doctor and they just high-five but don't actually Mm. make eye contact. (laughs) I think that's fantastic. It's quite harsh to say this is a less interesting version of Clara because, well, the... She's got a lot to live up to in some ways because one was a Dalek and the other one was a Victorian nanny stroke barmaid who was ridiculously curious and accepting everything everything she saw and chased after the Doctor. Do you know what I think people's problem is with her? Yes. Not yet. Tell us. Well, they've made her very, very realistic as a character. She doesn't have Mm. these huge bombastic speeches. She doesn't automatically do anything that's particularly extraordinary. She gets very frightened and and only just holds things together. And she quite often doesn't know exactly what to do and responds in quite a sort of intuitive and emotionally warm way, which a lot of the past companions haven't really. They've all Mm. been slightly larger than life characters and perhaps that's the problem is that people want somebody who's going to be even more of a foil to the doctor whereas i i suppose i i quite like her because i see a lot of myself in her Mm, i I think she's enough of a foil because she asks difficult questions rather than just accepts the answer yeah she's not absolutely besotted with the doctor Mm. she understands the sort of darkness within him which I think is really interesting as well. And I think at the end as well, she sort of acts as like a guide for him in um, emotional situations that he doesn't understand because she keeps having to pull him away from the conversation that Emma is having with um, the, the the time-travelling future lady ghost person mm. um, because mm. he's trying to just explain everything matter-of-factly in ways that they won't understand. So she has to pull him away to let them work out what's going on. I think that's really lovely. Although this time is the first time in ages that the Doctor has recognised love. 
it was him that deduces that the uh, the absolute motive is love. Normally, he's mm. quite blind to that sort of thing. I want to say something about that because I really like this story because it does that glorious Doctor Who thing of appearing to be one thing but turning out to be another. Uh, you start, in fact, I think it kind of does a triple thingy of that because it starts off as a ghost story and then it shows itself to be. Uh, there's a scientific explanation for the being a ghost and then it turns out to be a love story as well i really enjoyed those shifts in the narrative it's a thing and a thing and a thing Mm, exactly and i really like the way that the characters show their love for each other you got the empath and the the professor chappy uh, or, or indeed don't uh, some beautiful scenes between jessica rain and is it do grace scott it is yes he oh was my the baddie in mission impossible 2 goodness mm, gracious me my left jacket what pocket. what an uh, <laughs> a double exciting bit of casting those actors are they were tremendous mm. some beautiful subtle real acting going on there um yes got a bit carried away there in my head The silent, icy fingers of midnight wrapped themselves ever more tightly around the exposed throat of the forest as Amanda's Chrysler Sebring ploughed up the dirt track towards the distant lights of the remote town she would soon call home. Beside Amanda, in the passenger seat, her brother Todd played with an elastic band and scuffed the dash of the Sebring with his unlaced chucks. Outside, the rain threw itself against the windscreen like it had a grudge. Amanda turned the fan heater up a notch and shivered. Not long now, she said out loud, as much to convince herself as her brother. Todd whistled through his teeth and shot the elastic band into the back seat. I don't know, Amanda. This road has got some wild history. I looked it up on Wikipedia before we drove up here. Amanda sighed inwardly, fighting with the wheel of her car just to keep it on course. This was all she needed, one of Todd's stories. Her brother continued, oblivious to her silent protestations. A couple of years ago, a convict tried to hide out in the forest up here. Nasty piece of work. Axe killer. He couldn't help himself, split seven people's faces in two before they caught him the first time. So he escapes and comes up here. His plan is to live in the woods like a mountain man or something. But the authorities track him down, surround him. He just comes at them with the axe, teeth bared, eyes burning with hatred and madness. He gets shot down in the mud. Everyone goes home happy and celebrates the fact that there's one less freak in the world, you know? But then, months later, strange things start happening. People start going missing, cars abandoned in the middle of the road. Rumours start to spread that it's the freak, back from the dead, wreaking revenge on anyone stupid enough to drive the path at night haunting the very road we're driving along now. Amanda rolled her eyes and checked the fuel dial. It hovered ominously above the red segment denoting empty. She lashed out at Todd, knocking his feet off the dash in the process. Shut up, Todd. This isn't funny. What? It's true. Google it or something. Todd started to laugh, but the sound choked off suddenly as Amanda's headlights picked out something strange in the road before them. Amanda threw on the brakes, sending the Sebring into an erratic slide that ended with them perpendicular to the road, their fender butted up against one of the trees that lined the path on either side. For a moment they sat there in shock, neither daring to speak, simply listening to the sounds of the forest and their own ragged breathing. 
What was that? Todd was the first to break the silence. I don't know. Could have been a moose or something. Go and look. Why me? Todd, just go see what the damage is. Still complaining bitterly, Todd nevertheless opened the passenger door and disappeared into the night. Amanda strained to hear what he was doing, but couldn't make out anything she recognised, nor could she see her brother through the rain-smeared windscreen. Seconds turned into minutes, and Todd did not return. Amanda called out, but there was no reply. She began to panic. This was insane. She was being silly. Just get out the car and have a look. What was there to fear? Stupid stories told by her idiot sibling to freak her out. As her fingers fumbled with the seatbelt release, she suddenly heard a sound ring out close to her ear. Something thumped smartly three times on the roof of her car. An icy chill shot through her, and before she could articulate that terror, even to herself, Amanda was out of the door and facing the car, backing away quickly. And that was when she saw him. Crouched on top of the car, ragged bloody clothes flapping in the howling wind, a terrifying rusted axe in one hand, and her brother's severed head in the other. The most gorgeous man Amanda had ever seen. He smiled at her and shook Todd's head like he was doing a funny little dance. It was hilarious. And that was when she knew. This wasn't a ghost story. It was a love story. One of the things that I think really came through in this episode was how fantastic the monster was, the animation of the monster. Just looking like when those claymation stop motion. It wasn't animation. Was it? Well, it no. was a real costume. I know it was a real costume, uh-huh. but it was the way that it was filmed. Uh-huh. That sort of juddering, yeah, yeah, yeah. shaky, very not human very effect. Good it, was. Mm-hmm. it was because the its world was running at a different speed, right? I think yeah, so. I assume so. It wasn't just the monster that was jerky. It was sort of the movement of everything, mm-hmm. wasn't it? In, no, not constantly. I think they filmed, but I think they played it backwards. The like real. in Ringu. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes, with the creepy yeah. ring girl. Yeah. <laughs> I think the doctor must have synchronized the two time streams when he jumps through, though. Otherwise, when he jumped through, he would have been back again almost immediately because of the different time speeds. Yeah, yeah, that was a, a, a thing that wasn't really focused on at all. Well, he had loads of equipment, so I'm sure that's what all the equipment did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the Eye of Harmony got a mention. Hooray! It did. Did it? What, when yeah. was that? It's a subset of the Eye of Harmony, he says at one point. I think Dugray Scott oh, yes, says what's does. that. Yeah. Yes, when he's trying to not explain what all the equipment is. When he asks, what, it, what, what does this do? Oh, it's, yeah. So it's now the fact that the Eye of Harmony has a, a, a magic door to the Eye of Harmony in the TARDIS. It's now canon. Hooray. That's quite exciting. Oh. Should we just take a minute as a collective podcast to go <laughs> to the internet complaining about Matt Smith's pronunciation of Metabolus yes. 3. One, two, three. You suck, internet. Here's another thing I liked, was the TARDIS loves the Doctor so much that she goes after him into the pocket universe, even though it could spell the end for her. Yes. Ah, How I, sweet. I did like the bits about the TARDIS, actually. The, the, the explanation that the TARDIS is like a cat. Really, yeah, it does. You have to kind of earn the trust of the TARDIS before the TARDIS will, you know, trust you. But when you do, you have a like a a lifelong 
companion. It, it, it's a lovely image, but don't you think actually we've never seen that with a companion before? I think it means that there's something about Clara mm. in particular that the TARDIS is afraid yes. of. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. there's more going on. Absolutely. Maybe Clara sprayed some water at her previously or something. Or, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the, TARDIS is very, the TARDIS is very cross and she's going to go back into the garden and spray all over her rose bushes. Hi, sorry to barge in on you like this. Oh, that's uh, quite all right. Is there anything I can do for you? Well, I do hope so. So do I. Won't you come in? Love to. Now, how can I be of service? I live in the flat upstairs and I'm afraid I've got a bit of an emergency going on. Oh? I'm having a dinner party and I've run out of sugar for the coffee. I see, and you'd like to borrow some? If that's not too much of an imposition. Of course not. I'll just grab some. Make yourself comfortable. Oh, thanks. Lovely place you have here. Very roomy. Thank you. Yeah, I do my best. You never know when someone will uh, pop in. Here you go. Hope that's enough. Yes, that's marvellous. Good. I wonder how you'll repay me. I'll come up with something, I'm sure. Yeah, I bet you will. Well, I suppose I ought to be going. So soon? I do have a flat full of dinner guests. I think I did mention that. Oh yes, well, well, it was enchanting to meet you. Likewise. I hope this won't be the last time either. I'll make sure of that. Oh, hold on. Uh, won't you tell me your name, or, or at least something about you? Me? I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy, asking him to notice that she's been dead this whole time. Oh, I am so slow. This isn't a love story. It's a ghost story. I certainly really enjoyed it, and I loved the old house and the idea of exploring all the crazy, creepy old rooms with beautiful... Did anybody notice the beautiful plasterwork on the ceiling? Or the lovely lamps yes. that that the professor had installed here and there? I thought, in fact, that Dugray Scott's character was remarkably well-drawn, how, mm. how complex and layered he mm. was. The idea that you would buy mm. this horrible, huge place that had so much to scare away your average buyer just because you wanted to apologise for your misdeeds you would put yourself into that purgatory mm. was a really really mm. interesting idea I thought yes a very played. real reaction as well to what he'd been through uh, that, that, yeah that's quite a common response to having been through those situations mm. becoming a ghost hunter like yeah obviously that's how everyone starts I like the fact he was part of the Baker Street Irregulars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love the point made about the change between assistant and companion for the Doctor. In 1974, they were called assistants. Teehee. Oh, very good. So we've got varying levels of enthusiasm about the episode on the Udcast this week. One that perhaps only the keenest and most interestingly cleverly minded empaths could discern. But I'd like to ask the three lovely chaps who I have with me 
to summarise their feelings in a sentence. Okay, um, I rather enjoyed it. I thought it was quite, quite splendid, but I wish it could have been two episodes. Beautifully drawn characters and a different direction once again this season. I liked it. I thought it was like a very well-wired plug in that it had all sorts of aspects of scenery, character and plot, but it wasn't going to give you any shocks. I feel I slightly underplayed my enthusiasm for it. Should I do the haiku? Yes, please, haikus. Haikus, okay. Hide. Psychic and soldier hunt a ghost which isn't one. It's a love story. Oh, that's clever. Yeah, beautiful. So, if you're a new listener to the Oodcast, please find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the Oodcast. Or you can follow all of us on Twitter. You can find me at the Oodlaws. You can find me at Alpha Ood. You can find me at Ood Andy. And I control the main account at the Oodcast. So please do have a chat with us whenever you've got five minutes or something or even less time than that. And hey, if you're really enjoying it, we would love you to leave a review on iTunes. It boosts us up the charts and allows more people to have a listen and see what they think. So we would really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Thank you so much. You're great. Go community. Yeah, community. <laughs> um, so do join us next week when we'll be reviewing... Journey to the Heart of the TARDIS, which I am so excited about. I'm so excited. Swimming pool at I last. Just, it's going to be brilliant. Wow, Laura, you just can't hide it. I can't wait. I can't wait. I really, genuinely can't wait. You're going to have to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to the suitcase. <laughs> Struck Romeo, made a bark and vertebrae, freaking everybody out. In the mist, he's given chase. Finds a convenient tree branch, steps out of the shade, says something like, <laughs> Doc says, Hey, old Romeo. You nearly give him a heart attack. Looking underneath the window, she's like, Hey, love, my boyfriend's back. You shouldn't come around here, creeping up on people like that. Anyway, what you gonna do about it? Crooked man, we were misguided from the start. We should know, even monsters have a heart. I'm so slow, I'm so slow. I got it wrong. universe imploding into dust both ugly both sad and both consumed with lust we took one look at you and then we screamed and ran how could we know you're a lover not a fighter crooked man when you can chase a pretty lady 
all in white You can chase a lanky stranger And give him such a fright Explosions shake the wood Like a tempest in your heart If you're looking for monster love Caliban's a good place to start Crooked man Through the years you hoot and cry Cause you love her like the stars above You'll love her till you die There's a place for you The birds and bees aren't wrong When are we gonna realize It was a love song all along Romeo Come to the toe he has no lower jaw And he can't bring you back home To the place you were before Can't do anything But try and get through to you Hasn't got a posable thumb So that's a very hard thing to do And all you do is miss her And the way you used to be All you do is skulk around And hide behind a tree all you do is make a sound like an unblocked drain But that isn't really fair as you're in emotional pain Crooked man, through the years you hoot and cry Cause you love her like the stars above You'll love her till you die There's a place for you The birds and bees aren't wrong Out in the mist, he's given chase. Finds a convenient tree branch, steps out of the shade, says something like, Whoa, <laughs> 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 